Our reading this morning is from Philippians 4, verses 2 to 9. I plead with Euodia, and I plead with Syntyche, to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Good morning. Uh, my name, well, my name is Miles. He just said it for me. Thanks. <laughs> Welcome to church. So good to be here. So good to be in church uh, as a family celebrating uh, our Lord Jesus. Um, yeah, we come with so many things in our minds to this space of church right now. Um, so many things that have happened, so many things that have gone on. Uh, and so as we walk through our topic today, uh, which is disappointment, uh, which has an inherently heavy bent, because just the nature of that word is, you know, yep. Hopefully the sermon won't be disappointing, but um, we will definitely talk about disappointment. And um, as we walk through that today, uh, yeah, let's do that in light of uh, walking with Jesus. So let me pray, and then we'll um, kick in. Father, thank you so much for you. Thank you uh, that though disappointment is real, you are real. Thank you that you are big, and you are strong, and we are small. And thank you that we experience in you uh, a life where you are present in the midst of all the things that happen to us, that we are not left alone. We thank you for your word this morning and pray that we would see clearly in your word who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Just a bit of um, admin stuff, if my thing works. Yes. Uh, I've been doing this thing recently where if you want to look at the slides uh, in advance, you can do that. Just type that into into your phone, your device. Uh, and it will bring the slides live up. So the, slide, the first ones are live slides. When I press the slides, it will do it on your phone. Magic. Uh, and the second one, if you just want to like skip through the slides and see how the sermon ends and have a nap, that is your option as well. <laughs> so the second time I made that joke with just as much laughter. I love it. It's great. All right. uh, just to give you an idea of where we're going uh, today, we're going to talk about disappointment. Uh, then we're going to look at Philippians uh, 4, 1 through 9. And uh, I won't be preaching on every verse in that passage, just drawing out some things Paul um, has that are helpful for us to think through this topic. Uh, so, yeah, we're jumping on particular verses within that. And then I'll finish by trying to put that into some practice with two examples of disappointment from my own life. Uh, so, first off, um, I'll talk about disappointment. <coughs> uh, disappointment. Disappointment uh, is one of the few experiences of life that is actually a universal experience. If I were to walk up to each one of you individually and say, have you experienced being disappointed or have you disappointed someone, uh, you would probably know what that feeling is like. 
It is a universal human experience. And we have, we have shallow versions of this that we um, have all the time. When someone says to you, if you go see this movie, read this book, go to this restaurant, go on this holiday, it will change your life. And then you go read this book, see this movie, go to this restaurant and go on that holiday, and it doesn't change your life. And you are disappointed. And then you wonder, if they hadn't said it would change your life, would it have changed your life? See, uh, disappointment is a space between two things. A space between our expectation and reality. The expectation, the hopes, the promises, the things that we hold on to for life, that life will be good and great and wonderful, those expectations that we think these things might happen, they will be wonderful and amazing. And then reality. What actually happens. And disappointment is this space in between. Expectations, reality. And uh, disappointment creates um, tensions in us, in relationships uh, with other people, um, powerful tensions. Disappointing others or others disappointing you um, can create uh, bitterness, can create disunity. The nature of disappointment is it tends to affect us very deeply. We don't just treat it as trivial it impacts us. We dwell on it. We sit in it. We rest in it. It um, shapes how we uh, go into moments. It shapes how we walk into rooms. If that person is in the room that you've disappointed or has disappointed you, that can be a triggering moment. You have an emotional, physical reaction to that person. And it'd be great. It'd be wonderful, you know, um, if church was um, completely exempt from this. Um, but we know it's not. Let's get, just be honest. It's not. Um, church is just full of dis- disappointment as life is. Because we're real people in life and we're real people in church. And we hurt each other. We let each other down. We disappoint each other. Ministers too. So within that space, what do we do with that? What do we do with our disappointment? Um, two possible options I was thinking through are, the first one is you can lower your expectations, Right? So if expectations are up here and your, uh, and your reality is here, what should you do? Well, if you just lower expectations, it gets really good. The problem with lowering your expectations is it tends to devalue yourself and others. It tends to treat those expectations you originally had as trivial. It tends to treat them as not important and you, either you're not important or them not important. So it might reduce disappointment, but actually just devalues you as a human being. And, well, God's not about that, so let's not be about that. The other option is we try and change reality. So if we bring reality up to expectations, then all, the disappointment would be gone. That's kind of the space we exist in all the time. Uh, the reality of that is often it just leaves us feeling burdened, or we burden others. Why can't you be better to my expectations? Why can't I be better to my expectations? And so those two options, either lowering our expectations devalues others and ourselves, or we try and change reality uh, and then end up burdening ourselves and making others feel guilty. And so what happens? We just feel more disappointed. From that heavy, dark place that we've just entered, uh, let's go to God's Word. We want to see um, some beautiful things that God has for us to walk through disappointment uh, and a beautiful place that he'll take us. I'd love you to have your Bibles open uh, at Philippians 4. I'll be jumping in different parts of it and jumping in a little bit before, um, before it as well. So you have your Bibles there, open them up, um, have them ready to go. That'd be awesome. All right, first one, how to understand others. <clears throat> 
Paul writes in uh, in chapter 4, verse 2, I plead with you, Iodia, and I plead with Syntyche, to be of the same mind in the Lord. To be of the same mind in the Lord. Very important to read that phrase uh, very slowly, um, because you can just read it as same mind, and then immediately our thought is um, that they should just agree with each other. So from a bit of the context, we get an idea that these two people, um, there's a bit of tension between them, there's disappointment, there's hurt, there's uh, an argument, there's something going on, we don't know the full story, we know there is something going on between them that has caused disunity. And Paul says, be of the same mind in the Lord. The danger is we read just the start of that and go, be of the same mind, which just means to be agreeable. Just agree with people. But it doesn't say that. It clarifies, be of the same mind in the Lord. Raises the question of how does the Lord view others? So if we're to um, engage people and, and to live in this midst of disappointment with each other and we have the same mind in the Lord, we need to know how the Lord views humanity. We need to know how the Lord views um, other people that are followers of Jesus. If you look at your Bibles, look just um, a few verses earlier, in, uh, I'll read it out as well, uh, Philippians 3, 20 and 21, uh, we have this beautiful picture of what God is doing in the midst of humanity. Paul says, um, our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so they will be like his glorious body. Will transform our lowly bodies so they will be like his glorious body. So for the followers of Jesus, how does God see us? What are we like in the Lord? We are artworks on the way to being completed. So look at that painting there on the left, if you can see it, nice and big. Um, you can look at that painting and go, uh, you can look at all the defects of that painting. You can look at all the bits that are undone. Look at all that white space. This, the painter has clearly failed at this painting. Or you can see, look at all the beautiful bits that have been done. Look at the beautiful bits that have been created. Nature of disappointment is that we concentrate on the negatives of each other, but as followers of Jesus, as these guys are together in community, uh, they, um, to be of the same mind in the Lord is to see that they are people in the midst of transformation. To go, I see the things that aren't complete in you, and I also see what God is doing in you. And so I'm going to give you grace in the midst of that. We will disappoint each other in this building. But the fact that we know that we are people that are being transformed, we are incomplete artworks, we are people on the process to being completed, means that we can give each other grace in those moments of failure. We don't expect perfection. We expect that we are being solely transformed by Jesus. And so we walk towards each other. Rather than our disappointments being blockers and you know, hindrances for our relationships, they become opportunities to go, I see what God's doing in you and I pray that God keeps doing that. That hurt what you did, but that isn't all you are. You are someone that is in the midst of being transformed, someone that God is growing and doing a mighty work in, so I can walk towards you in grace. Being of the same mind in the Lord, seeing each other as the Lord sees us, that we're not there yet, but God is at work in us. second thing I want to jump to is how to respond to disappointment. Jump into uh, verse 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. 
And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. The thing about disappointment is, disappointment is a fertile soil for anxiety, isn't it? Disappointment is fertile soil to make us feel anxious. Because when you feel that tension that is created by someone being disappointed to you or you've been disappointed, there's a level of uncertainty that comes with that, a level of fear, a level of anxiousness. And Paul recognizes that, but doesn't want us to stay there. He's like, I don't want to leave you in that place. I don't want to leave you in that place of anxiety. Don't sit in that, but move towards, out of that, into a different place. Paul points to a different way forward. Don't hang out in the anxious land, but bring everything to God. In every situation, verse 6, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, by prayers of hope and honesty, by petitions seeking change, seeking God to be at work, seeking the Spirit to do things in people's lives and in us, with thanksgiving for all that God has already done through his Son and all that God will do. And this fascinating verse, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. So we feel that tension when we, disappointment happens and we fear the fear and the storm of that. And then Paul's calling us to go, lean into the Lord, seek him, seek him in those moments, bring that stuff to him, and then he will guard you. For Paul, he sees we will definitely disappoint each other or be disappointed. And rather than being fatalistic and just giving up or being triumphalistic and thinking you can just change everything, he moves towards something else. He shows us how God steps in and becomes a part of that situation with us. There's, um, uh, there's an old idea of a thing called a safe harbour. Before we had uh, wonderful things like radios and stuff, and you had to communicate with everyone and work out, and you could work out where storms are and avoid them as, as ships. Uh, what happened was ship, ships would sail around and they would um, see danger coming. So you would see uh, a storm on the horizon. Or you would see uh, a pirate ship. Or you would see the enemy ship. And they would give uh, fear and horror. Because that thing was a danger and a risk to you. And what you would seek would be a safe harbour. For in a safe harbour, just like uh, Belmore Basin, very safe from pirates, Belmore Basin, um, you see how all, all, all the boats are, are hunkered down under, behind the break walls to protect them from the wind and the waves? Um, safe harbours are places where you were safe, you were protected. In the midst of the storm that is disappointment and conflict and tension, um, we don't avoid it, but we move towards the Lord in it. The fascinating thing in this verse is um, Paul calls us and leads us into a safe harbour of uh, living with God with those things. He doesn't say, he doesn't promise that it will be fixed. So he doesn't say, um, pray to God about the situation and it will be solved. He says, um, God, God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In order to have your guard up, that means you are still under attack. So a boat goes into the safe harbour and they are protected from the storm that is still raging. It goes into the safe harbour and it's protected from the pirate or the enemy that is still trying to attack them. When we enter into that safe place with God, it doesn't change our circumstance. There's still tension, there's still disappointment, but it changes us in that circumstance. We are different in that place. We have a safe place in the midst of that. We have a safe place from which we can even... Uh, Philippians, Philippians 4.4, 4, we can rejoice in the Lord always. 
The rejoicing doesn't come from amazing circumstances, everything being fine. It comes from rejoicing in the relationship that we have with the Lord. Even in the midst of the danger and the fear and the storm of disappointment and tension, there's a safe place in God from which we can rejoice. Where he guards our hearts and our minds. Where we lean into him and rest in him and become safe in him. So recognise disappointment's going to happen and then uh, Paul uh, finishes with this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. It's a very interesting thing to say, isn't it? Think about such things. It kind of, initially when you read that, it kind of just sounds like, um, like cognitive behavioural therapy. Like just replace the bad with the negative. Replace the bad with the good. Just throw that in there. Um, I think uh, Paul's not doing that. He's doing something much bigger. He's giving us uh, the mindset and the way to walk forward in the midst of disappointment when something else is true. He's moving us forward from a place of another type of relationship. The last verse that he has there is, Paul often says the most important thing last, which is frustrating when you're reading it, but then you get to it. Um, And the God of peace will be, be with you. And the God of peace will be with you. From the place of God's presence with us, from the place of God being with us in the midst of the storm that we are experiencing, we walk forward seeking what is true and what is noble and what is right. From the place of that God is with you. He will be with you to the very end of this age. He will be present with you. That is the wonderful blessing of the gospel. That is what it means to be a people of God, is that God is present with us in every circumstance. From this place of identity, we can walk forward and we can think differently. Because the nature of disappointment is, when disappointment happens, you dwell on it like crazy. It goes with you everywhere. You carry it. It shapes you, it moulds you, it shapes your experience and your feelings of every circumstance after it. But from the place of peace in God, we walk forward seeking whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is of God. So the beauty of the gospel is this. We were such disappointments to God. We were such disappointments to God. The gap between expectation and reality for humanity is so large. But what God does is he steps in and becomes human and brings humanity and reality to the expectation. Jesus becomes human and he lives out the expectation in reality. He leads the way for us. He's the one that we hold on to. He's the one that creates a way that we can have peace with God. And from that place, we can have peace in the midst of the storm. All of humanity is a disappointment. And God makes peace peace with us through Jesus on the cross. This teaches us a few things. It's how we walk forward. It creates this idea of... um, when disappointment happens, how do we walk forward? Um, we mourn the disappointment. Because God mourns the disappointment. He doesn't rejoice in sending his son to the cross. But he mourns the disappointment. But he's not surprised. When we disappoint each other, God doesn't go to his angels, oh man, I didn't expect that to happen. Who knew humanity could do that? He knows us. And so as we walk forward, we're going to disappoint each other. 
and we're going to be disappointed by others. When that happens, we mourn that, and that's right. But also, we don't walk around being surprised. You don't go, oh man, I really expected people just to be always better. If God had to die for the whole of humanity, it means there's something inherently broken with it. So we come from a place of going, I kind of expect that we're going to hurt each other. I kind of expect that I'll disappoint you. I kind of thought you'll disappoint me. I'm not surprised. Because the reason we're in this building is to celebrate the king who died and saved for us. The second thing uh, I also think about is um, that we're aware of disappointment, but we're not defined by disappointment. The scary thing about disappointment is that it, uh, when it happens, it just defines everything that we do. It defines our character and ideas, and it defines um, how we walk forward into situations. That I've, walked, I've been in this situation before, and I've disappointed people. Or we have the fear of disappointing people. Anyone ever had that? Where you say no to opportunities that are good opportunities because you're afraid that you'll disappoint people in those opportunities. But the beauty of this and the beauty of the gospel is that the God of peace creates a safe place for us that we're aware that we might disappoint people but we're not defined by it. It doesn't define what we do. We don't, we don't walk forward through life in a place of burdening ourselves and others or devaluing others um, and ourselves. In the gospel, disappointment exists but it doesn't become the only thing that we are. There's a much bigger statement of who you are. You are someone that is valued enough by the God of the universe for him to die for you. And the work they did on the cross was to pay for all the guilt that you would feel. He paid for our disappointments, our past, our present and our future disappointments. And last of all, uh, how do we walk forward? Recognising, mourning but not surprised, aware but not defined. Uh, we dwell on the good of God. When we're in that safe place, that harbour that is with God, um, we mourn that and we seek God's good from the foundation of his peace with us. We dwell on what is good and what is noble. We seek those things in others and for ourselves. We seek to do the good works that he has prepared before us to do, Ephesians 2.10. We walk forward not overwhelmed, not destroyed, not undermined by the fear of disappointment or actual disappointment. We walk forward because we come from a safe harbour, a safe place. I'm going to talk through um, two examples from my life um, and then we'll finish up. The first one is um, when someone has disappointed me. <clears throat> the situation that I am in, it's a relationship with someone um, who regularly disappoints me. Uh, At times, this has overwhelmed me and just burdened my soul. How can I interact with this person when they cause me such pain in that disappointment? I've tried uh, lowering expectations, uh, but in lowering expectations, um, uh, I realised in doing that I was devaluing myself. And I was actually just opening the door for them to be a bully. I was saying, no, it's totally fine what you're doing. Your behaviour is totally fine. And it's not. Lowering expectations says, actually, totally fine for you to do that. It's not okay. So don't lower the expectations. And I've done the lowering expectations and that didn't work. I've tried changing reality. Um, I tried to, uh, to lead them, to walk with them, to try and fix them, um, to step into their world and understand them. Um, uh, I've tried this and it felt like running into a brick wall and I came back um, beaten and bruised. What's the gospel response to this? How do we walk forward with the peace of God in the midst of this? Well, I mourn this relationship regularly. 
I'm saddened by the potential I see that it could be. And I see what it is. What I'm learning to do is to spend more time in prayer and petition than I do dwelling and complaining about the relationship. More time in prayer and petition with thanksgiving, dwelling in the Lord, rather than dwelling in the pain of that relationship. And I also try and see that person as someone who is being transformed by God slowly, just like me. And I pray that God continues that. And I walk forward seeking to do good. This relationship does not define my world and my reality. It does not shape who I am. The gospel of the God of peace shapes who I am. So I walk forward. Second example. Disappointment by me. Um, uh, One of my youth leaders um, lovingly last year um, pointed out to me a way that I had been letting down both them and the whole youth leadership team. I could see we were sitting having coffee at Kiss and Drop and I could see the tenseness in their shoulders. Because it's a hard thing to say. I'm six foot two and massive, hairy guy. I'm scary. And, um, uh, and I, could see the te- I could see it in their body. I could see how the tenseness of the fear of having to say this to me. And, I was, and, you know, and a whole bunch of things happened to me. My internal experience was one of uh, turmoil, anxiety, fear of failure. Um, and I'm thankful in that moment for uh, Jesus slowing me down, making me breathe and stop. And I thanked them. Um, I thanked them for telling me something about me that was hurting others. And then um, I apologised, and then I asked them to just tell me about it. Tell me about what was, what, what was, what was I doing. I, I don't think I could even see it. I was like, just tell me, help me. And I asked them uh, to let me know um, times when, um, when... Oh, here's the first thing I did. I didn't promise I'd be better. I didn't say, I'll, I'll, I'll do better at that. I said... Um, uh, can you just point out to me times when I'm doing that? I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that person that leads that way. Can you keep pointing out to me ways in which I do that? That would be great. And they do. They, um, they nudge me. Um, they lead me. They pastor me. Um, and the beautiful thing about that is at the end of that, they prayed for me. They led me towards Jesus. So we didn't dwell on the disappointment. We recognized it. We mourned it. We saw what it was and told it was real. And then we walked forward into the God of peace. We prayed for each other and cared for each other and will continue to do so. I haven't fixed that thing. I don't know if I ever will. But I have a community that helps me lead better despite it. So we walk forward. We mourn. We're not surprised. We're aware, but we're not defined by it. We're defined by the beautiful gospel of grace. And we dwell on the God, we dwell on the good that God has for us. Disappointment is the gap between expectation reality, the space of unfulfilled promises. We will disappoint others and others will disappoint us. But here's the wonderful, beautiful thing. As followers of Jesus, we have the safe harbour in the only person in history for whom reality has always met expectation. The God who always fulfills his promises, the God of peace who is with us in the midst of the messiest moments and disappointments of our lives. The God for which these two beautiful things come together for us. That is the gospel of the God of peace. That is the one who is with us in the midst of our disappointment. Let me pray.
God, you are big and we are small. God, you are glorious and you are for us and not against us. You are with us in the midst of all that is going on. Father, in our uh, confused minds, we seek to fix uh, our lives and situations. We seek to do it on our own. Father, help us um, to call in the expert. Help us to be moved by your spirit to, to lean into you, to pray to you, to give over our fears and our concerns. Father, in the midst of that, guard our hearts. Hold us tightly in you. Help us to be held in the safety of the safe harbour that you are. May we seek the good of you from the safe place of our peace in you. In Jesus' name, amen.